0: You're listening to insidey with michael rosenbaum you guys thanks again for listening we've had some great guests i just i loved having Elvira on the show it's fun to talk to people who you really sort of your role models or you looked up to them or you were just excited about them you know as a child and then getting to sit across them in your own house and and talk to them and asking them the questions that i I hope you guys would ask if you were sitting here because i'm more like a fan than i am an actor i think you guys know that about me by now if you're a first-time listener please subscribe. Um, It really helps and spread the word, tweet, Instagram, you know, inside of you podcasts on Instagram. And uh, we've got a great guest today. A good friend of mine. He was on Smallville. He was on hell on wheels. This is Anson Mount. He's on the new star Trek discovery. People are just going crazy over this guy. He's such a great guy and he's so charitable and wonderful to talk to. And he's got a podcast. So we sat down and chatted about old times and new times, and I think you're going to enjoy this. This is Anson Mount. Let's get inside Anson Mount. It's my point of view. You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum was not recorded in front of a live studio audience. Here we go. You do look good. Thank you, sir.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, Captain Pike. (sighs) All right, radio voices. Is is this
0: how you want to sit? Because you can move that thing anywhere you want, the mic.
1: I'm good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, if your
0: back starts hurting like mine, you can just lounge (sighs) back. It
1: goes back. Oh, man. Getting old sucks, (laughs) doesn't it? Dude, I'm older than you. What are you, forty? I know, and you look like you're 32. That's not true. No, it it literally is. You know what the thing is? I don't get
0: gray hairs. And, ah. and I'm using these silicone things under my eyes in the morning. It just takes you put them on for about 45 minutes. My friend Danine got them. Uh-huh. Uh, if anybody wants to tweet, you know, she could send you some of these things. I, she's not my sponsor; she's just a good friend. Yeah. But you put these things under your eyes. I'm not kidding, because I'm puff daddy in the morning, uh-huh. and you put these things under your eyes, and an hour later, it's not one of those things with the chemicals in it. And it's oh, it's got soothing aloe. It's just mm. these silicone, th- whatever the fuck it is. I need it. You don't get bags under your
1: eyes. I do actually. You do. What do you do for bags? When it's really, I have a really early call. I don't know. The 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 last makeup team I was working with gave me uh, this like tube that had like a metal ball at the end of it. and You're supposed to keep it in the refrigerator.
0: And don't you roll it around under your eyes? Yeah. You you think that works?
1: It did for me. Yeah, yeah. But then I forgot about it. It It's probably still there. Do you sleep well? I do. I do sleep pretty well, except like uh, light and sound bothers me. So, I, you know, I've got this English bulldog that snores like a jackhammer and uh, she can't be in the room with us. Yeah. She has to be downstairs. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I understand yeah. that. Yeah, Rob's going to take a few photos, so don't be distracted. Hey, Rob. You know, there was one actor here who was a little distracted with uh, the pictures that were being taken. I'm not going to use any names, but he was just like, "What? what's going on? I'm like, <laughs> he's taking pictures. What the fuck's What do you mean? What's going on? It's like, well, I I thought he was going to throw a Christian (laughs) Bale. No, I'm fucking doing an interview right now. Why are you taking pictures?
1: Thank you for allowing me to be inside of you today, Anson. Oh, Michael, you've been inside of me a long time, actually. Have I? You have. How long have we known each other? Too long. How old were we when we did that movie? Pool Hall Junkies with... uh, I was in my 20s, I think. Christopher Walken,
0: Chaz Palminteri, Rick Schroeder, or is it Ricky? Rick now. It was
1: Rick. Who I loved by the way. Oh yeah, he That was dude. Great. <laughs> we got behind the you Remember when we like we got behind the gun we're shooting at like three in the morning. We have limited amount of time and Rick, Rick just starts picking up. Uh he starts picking up instruments and 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 monitors and moving them around. And, let's go. Let's go. Let's get this done. He was, yeah, he was, he was very
0: helpful. He was very he was an indie filmmaker, wasn't he? I guess so. And, and yeah, Mars yeah. Mars Callahan Mars, directed the movie. Yeah. And I remember uh you know, you remember, I think you were with me when I was like, hey, dude, check this out. Because I went up to walk and I was like, hey, should I call you Chris? Should I call you Mr. And I'm
1: excited to work with you. He goes,
0: call me Flash. No, that's right. Remember that? Yeah. And then you like, and then. You, well,
1: do you remember how I met him?
0: No. What'd you do? Oh,
1: you don't. You, you'll you remember the story when I start telling it. Remember his first day of work. I wasn't working that day. I'd, I'd been You just wanted sure to watch him work. Yeah. I just wanted to come in and, wa- and walk and do his stuff. So I'd been out shopping or some shit. I don't know. So I, I come in and I'm in uh, that huge house that they had rented that overlooked the tabernacle in Salt Lake City. And and I'm in this big house and watching, and the camera's rolling and it's on walk-in. And I, oh, and I have to preface this story by saying at the time my phone played La Cucaracha. So oh, I'm standing God. there watching him work. And sure enough, from my pocket during his lines Do-der, yeah your face could have, had to be redder than the tip out- of my penis oh dude i ran outside and i'm just i'm pacing up and down that porch thinking you idiot you idiot how could you have done this it's the only time it ever happened to me i gotta go and face the music so i walked in they're between setups and chris is over there in the corner with mars who's directing and and mars just just looks over at me and he's just shooting daggers and i'm and i'm like i'm sorry i'm sorry and he's like all right, and it kind of points to Walken. I'm like, "Fuck!" So I go over to Walken, and uh, I say, "So I'm the asshole with the phone," and everybody stops moving. <laughs> the grip stop moving. The electrician stops hanging. Like, like the, the room just goes silent because everybody wants to hear what Walken's gonna say. Can to I me. guess
0: what he said? You asshole!
1: <laughs> no, I mean, I'm professional. I can't believe fuck. you don't remember this. He says to me, he looks straight at me. I do you remember the story? Though. And he says, why do these cell phones have to have all these songs? Why can't they just ring? <laughs> and the whole room just burst out laughing. So right, I said, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Thank you
0: so much. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. Because he's very intimidating. Do you remember? the And he walked on set one day because he only had him for like, I think, a week. Yeah. Mars had him for a week. And he got like a million bucks or something, whatever the rate was. It was half the budget of the movie. And he comes out and he just he looks pissed off. His face is right. He says, Mars, to the director, today's my last day. And he walked out and everybody's like, oh, my God. He's, Mars is like, I better go talk to him. Mars is freaking out. It's the directorial debut. So that was an experience. We shot the movie. It's a little independent movie if you ever want to watch it. People, people still come up to me and go, hey, I love Pool All Junkies. It's not many people, but I still like if I go to
1: these conventions or whatever. And it was one of those movies that was a special time, right? Oh, yeah. We had we a were, really we good were time. wide-eyed and bushy-tailed and optimistic before the business came crashing down on our souls. Jesus. And then what? The next time you were a guest on Smallville the next yeah, time we right. worked together that's right you remember yeah, yeah, that we yeah, were running yeah. around
0: the train that was I, fun i had actually. to kill you didn't i that was
1: a lot of fun
0: that was fun i remember being like three in the morning four or five in the morning chasing yeah. your dumbass. yeah yeah <laughs> and yeah. i'm bald and cold as shit <laughs> and i'm chasing you through these trains when we had a budget we used real trains
1: yeah 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 i remember we ran into real issues on the in those trains with the angles and the cameras and us in a fight scene in that one aisle it was very difficult to figure out actually but we got it done and didn't you Test for Lex Luthor. I did. Long you ago. almost got it, didn't you? Because Zach mm-hmm. Levi always
0: tells me the story, like he almost got it, but you really were close too, weren't you? Were oh, you like no. the guy? <laughs>
1: well, I had very very short hair at the time. I get. I think maybe that helped. But you
0: did. You you tested for it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Were you bummed you didn't get it?
0: it wasn't really what i wanted to do at <laughs> the you time. bummed you did get it, like, it says <laughs> the guy who got the role but you this is how it goes i see guys who got the role that i had for all the time i mean it was just mm. you know i was it was a lucky thing for me do you, you get those things where you're just you feel lucky where you feel like i don't give a shit and you go in and you just kill it because you don't care yeah that's that's funny how that works
1: isn't it did you have to audition for hell on wheels oh yeah 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 <laughs> everybody went in for hell on wheels who, who when they showed me the stat when they showed me the stacks of the headshots give me a couple light, give me a couple names and we're oh i don't know. know i didn't ask i didn't want to know you didn't want to know i w- just happened to fit a very specific bill that they were looking for they want they wanted an american and particularly they're looking for someone from the american south so.
0: and and they wanted a man yeah, well yeah well your grandfather was a, a confederate
1: soldier correct a colonel great 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 great, great, grandfather, great grandfather was a was a, a cavalry colonel yeah still have his uh, military composite but it's it's photo tinted and, and it's so old that the that the chemicals have now turned him green <laughs> what was his name i don't remember he wasn't a mount no he was a league a league yeah somebody in the family still has the piece of paper that listed everything that was in his pockets when he got shot did you say that in the audition yeah,
0: my great-great-grandfather was... Uh, because it's, it kind of takes did. place
1: post-Civil War, right? The It's Reconstruction is right after the Civil War, yeah. Right. Yeah. Did you have to do a lot of research for that shit? Like, I wouldn't know what I to do. I didn't... I don't think I necessarily had to, but I did, uh, just to calm my nerves. Were you nervous? Uh, I... Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Oh, I love hearing that because I get nervous about everything. I wake up nervous. How can you not be? I meditate, and during the meditation, I'm nervous. It's a very expensive enterprise that's all coming down to one moment where a camera's pointed at your face. But no, I I read this great book, Nothing Like It in the World, uh, by Stephen Ambrose, who wrote Band of Brothers. Right, which I tested for and didn't get. Really? Yeah. For sure. And it was it's supposed to be his only non-military subject, and then you read it, you realize, oh, it's actually a military subject because all these guys had, came, had come from the Civil War, right? And they were out of work and they needed a job, and it was run like a military enterprise, and uh, and on the back the backs of uh, of graft and corruption, uh, it would not have been built without graft and corruption. But it seems like everything is
0: built from. Oh, that. it
1: was just. I mean, if you look blatant. at there is a book about the real history of the United
0: States or whatever, and it tells you the real stories how we were, how we came together. Yeah, the oh, dark yeah. side that they don't teach in history, well, all the, all the like center- how we treated people and the real Christopher Columbus and what he did and. Nice guys don't just come and go, hey, we're going to take your ter- your <laughs> land. And then, I mean, even from the beginning of like, yeah. You know. <laughs> and then we're going to invent this thing called Thanksgiving. We're always sit down and celebrate each other. <laughs> exactly. I mean, look at Polk, right? Uh, no. You want to know some history, Rob? You know who Polk was? President Polk? is from Tennessee. Yeah, but they called it Polk's War. You know, Polk did. He took all the land, which was Mexico, which is California now, and all this, I think, two million square miles we stole from Mexico. Oh yeah. There's that's much much all more. All of
1: California. We basically oh, yeah. just marched in and said, Okay, it's ours.
0: Yeah. I don't think we did it in a nice way. We forced them to sign a contract that they really didn't want to do. But uh
1: by that by the way, that's
0: Rob. Have you met Rob? Yeah. <laughs> I know you just walked in. Did you not meet him? <laughs> hey buddy, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> Rob's pretty rad. So hey man, you, you see my always what I always loved about you is and it was intimidating is you know, until I got really got to know you, but your disposition, you've always been like you seem like you're so together, you're so reserved, you're so well spoken and articulate. It's intimidating to a, a fool like me who's just always just like, oh man, you know, I'm just always doing something funny. I got to get approval, I got to get, you know, <laughs> I'm like, I want people to like me. I got to do this. How, you know, and so meeting you on the set, I'm like, oh, this is a, a good-looking dude. He's got his shit together. What where, where did you train? You trained for acting and where? Uh, I did my masters at Columbia. Masters at Columbia. I went, and look, I love the school, but I went to Western Kentucky University. That's a good program. It had a great program, and it helped me out. I I got a little more confidence, but I was intimidated when I met you. Really? Well, you were just, like I said, you were very trained. Huh. So, that surprised me. It's like, you know, you come to scenes in in the moment, and you're you're there. But I realized once we started talking that like you were just a regular dude. You were fun. Mm. But you are. You're focused. Do you feel like you're always focused or can you goof around? Like they say Leonardo DiCaprio in that movie uh, Gilbert Grape. They say that he would like, before he got doing that role, they'd be rolling, rolling, rolling. He's like fucking around with everybody and then action and he'd just
1: jump into the character. Can, can you do that? I've gotten better at that. Yeah, I was just doing I was just doing a job up in uh, Santa Barbara County. Who was With it? this um, little known... Uh, actor, uh, he hasn't done a lot. Named Tony Hopkins, and I think he's got a big future ahead of him.
0: Wait a minute, but Anthony Hopkins? Yeah, you yeah. just worked with Anthony Hopkins.
1: And but here's the here's why I tell this story. Not to name drop, of course I'm name dropping, but oh. uh, th- th- he is so ebullient, and he is he's so funny. He's full of so many great old film and theater stories. The hardest part of the job was to get refocused when when we were about to do another setup because he's constantly fucking around yeah and if i wasn't if i hadn't gotten to the point where i was confident enough to just let the work go for a second and listen uh i would not be enjoying my job as much uh i might have quit by now you can't maintain that level of of focus i think and enjoy what you do but you do have to get yourself to the point where you can switch it on and off and i think it's a i think it's a mentally healthy thing to be able to do
0: well you know that's kind of the thing i have to do so i mean there's times when i have a big speech or something i have to say but for me i have to be playing i have to be having fun i have to be Mm -hmm. in an environment that's fun and sometimes you're with actors who don't want to do that that's not how they work Mm -hmm. they're focused they're sitting in their chair reading Nietzsche,
1: and it, and it and you know it's it's surprising. You'll you'll meet actors who are who are more known for their comedy, than their drama, who are also like that. Yeah, and it's and I and I re, look to each his own. I respect it. It's not the easiest thing to do and be good at. I kind of would like to enjoy my job. Yeah. Did you ever uh, come on when you're working with Hopkins? I mean, I would have had to ask him
0: something about Sounds of the Lambs. <laughs>
1: Uh, any movie no, you, you know what's, oh you know what's funny he told me a story about how uh when he was a little boy, his mother owned a shop in wales and uh and richard burton it was from the same area he would come in every now and then he remembers that a little boy seeing richard burton saying i want to do what that man does and years later he was telling me he was doing equus on broadway and burton came to see it and then burton decided he wanted to take over the role and he came and saw it again and was in hopkins dressing room and said oh i remember you you were the, the young boy who couldn't speak so good mm. And I said, Yes, yes. And he said, Well, how are you? And I said, Well, I'm fine And the whole time I'm thinking, My God, how did this happen? And and I said and I said, I'm very glad you told me that story because I remember going to see Silence of the Lambs when I was a senior in high school, like it was yesterday. Oh yeah. And it could easily have been so intimidating to work with him if he wasn't so self effacing and, and cool. just a lovely human yeah. being. He's one of the nicest people I've ever worked with. Well,
0: dude, I was see, I would have been like a kid in a candy store because well, you were going to prom because you were you're a handsome guy. You probably went to prom. Am I right? I did. Yeah, you probably I went didn't to didn't. Santa Switch. I didn't have a date to senior prom. Is that true? Did not have a date. You yeah. just went to prom solo.
1: Yeah, on solo. My girlfriend at the time and I broke up a few days before. Prom. And you went anyway. I went and I got the tuxedo I wanted. And then me and my buddies, who also didn't have dates because we were losers, we went to Taco Bell. We went and played miniature golf and then to prom. It was great. Rob, did you go to prom. I didn't go to my prom, but I went to my ex-girlfriend's prom.
0: Really? Did you get laid that night? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it sounds
1: very memorable. It's Rob. just the question. Like I don't want to answer that.
0: Um, but you know, I while well, you were doing all that stuff, I just remember I have to memorize a scene from
1: You have that phrenology statue yeah, we I think have everybody that same does.
0: Statue on the set of Hell on Wheels. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Phrenology. Yeah, it's a little uh, human head with all the parts of the brain, the the hypothalamus and the, I think the hypothalamus and the, uh, the cerebral cortex. I'm well, not they, even looking at it. I just know a, these
1: things. In the 19th century, there are physicians who thought that they could determine a person's personality from the shape of their skull.
0: What do you think about me? Because I have a huge head
1: and I have this big occipital bone in the back. So I don't know. I, but I've always been jealous of the shape of your head. Why? Because I, my mother laid me on my back too much as an infant and the back of my head's like flat.
0: Yeah, but I have, like, a big bump on there, like a matrix bump. I've got, like, a huge... People always tell me how big my head is. Rob does it do consistently. Really?
1: Well, I think I, was, I, I think they were talking about your ago.
0: No, no, I have a long <laughs> face. I have, like, you know, it's like, it's who I am. It's like, I can't change it. By the way, do you have one quote from Silence of the Lambs that you just love? Oh. I'm only doing that because I have one.
1: What is it? He wants <laughs> what to it an impersonation. It? It. I just
0: remember being, like, 17 or 18 years old and memorizing. I don't even... It's not the impression. It's just that I memorized it. It was like, oh, Agent Sterling. You think you can dissect me with your little tool? You're so ambitious, aren't you? But you know what you look like to me with your good bag and your cheap shoes. You look like a rogue. A wild horse in the road with a little taste. The magicians gave me a little info bone, but you're really not one more generation from pure white trash, are you, Aiden Stone? And that accent you so desperately tried to share. Pure West Virginia. Well, what was your father doing? Was he a coal miner? Did he stink of the lamb? You know, quickly the boys found you. All those tedious sticky fumblings in the back seats of cars where well, you can only dream of getting out, getting anywhere,
1: getting all the way to the FBI. You sat down and memorized Yeah, because I was a loser. I still am. That's what I did. I'd memorized moments. Your impressions are quite good. You're it very, wasn't even are very imp- good. Do you do your impressions in your stand-up act? Um, I have done. I've done a couple. You do a great Malkovich. I remember going. Me, I remember going yeah. to the the premiere of uh, uh, Sorority Boys. <laughs> you were there. You were great in that. Uh, you actually. know what? That's, that it, was you was that was a really. You. I like to call good, it a cult classic. It was. You know, I, I thought you were fantastic in that. And and but you whipped out this Malkovich impression when they introduced the cast at the front of the. Theater. I did. You did. How do you remember? It was that? fantastic. Did I, well, again,
0: in the line of fire that I remember memorizing a scene, oh, yeah. you know, you have a rendezvous with my asshole, motherfucker. <laughs> no, what you couldn't possibly know, Frank, is that they sent my friend, my comrade in yeah, arms yeah. to my home to kill me. I never lied to you, Frank, <laughs> and I never will. So let's go back to you. Did you you had a good childhood, didn't you? You have loving parents. Um, It was mixed. Mixed. Yeah. Like how mixed were you? I have a,
1: I have a great mother. She and I are very, very close, and and she has now ad, uh, adopted my wife as her her new favorite. I think uh, if she had to choose between us, then she would kick me to the street. Really? And uh, she and my wife are real, uh, real buddies now. Inside of you is brought to you by Shopify.
0: Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. This is an amazing platform. I use it on both podcasts. It has worked wonders for me. It's so amazing how easy it is to navigate. If you wanna sell products, T-shirts, soap scents, whatever whatever it is, Ryan, you wanna sell, this is the way to do it. Uh, you can see what your best seller is right there, analytics, uh, how much you're making this month, uh, what products are selling the best, It's really fantastic from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to to the, did we just hit a million order stage? Shopify's there to help you
1: grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered.
0: Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers, with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms, and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Plus, Shopify's
1: extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way.
0: Because businesses that grow... Grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash inside, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash inside now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash inside. But were they strict, your parents? You, you sound like you strict. just talk about your mother. Was your father there? Was he present in your life?
1: Uh, my father passed away when I was thirteen. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. We never talked about that. Yeah.
0: Do you uh, remember? They were him quite, they were quite strict,
1: well? but quite loving. Um, uh, a lot of that pressure went away when he passed away. What what is you know? I always think about that stuff. Like I, my you know my father was strict. He
0: he he had me when he was like nineteen. So it was pretty. And then he had like my half brother who was like seven at the time so he was like a kid trying mm-hmm. to raise four kids by the time he's 25
1: he's got four kids and it was very hard on him but like do you my father was the opposite My fa- i was the product of my father's second marriage so he was i was he was 47 when i was born and i realized much later in life through stories from my half siblings who are all much older than me i realized um he was already pretty deep into the bottle by the time i was four. oh so he was an alcoholic yeah yeah
0: so you experience that you remember probably moments in your childhood. Even I mean, 13s, you can remember probably to your from your f- time you're five to your thirteen Not mm-hmm. that. So you remember things, and you're looking mm-hmm. at me right now, sort of like I don't want to talk about it. It's a uh, it's I can kind of to... see that thing on your on your face because
1: like I know you. <laughs> I've a little gotten bit. better about I've gotten better about uh, being able to talk about it. Formats like this are still like uh, it's it's questionable about how much you want to get into no look because we have family and yeah i don't know i I, look i'm not saying i don't want to talk it's just like it's 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 weird to suddenly be okay with talking about it
0: yeah i get that and for many years for me and this this is what the show's become for me is like i divulge so much information and that's me i'm not as private as i probably should be but um you know i talk about you know i sort of forgive I'm, I'm a forgiving person. Yeah. And my dad's even made, look, I wasn't the best father. My mom said I wasn't the best mother. And I'm like, look, I love you. Moving on. You know, things happen the way they, they – there were things that happened. There were some great moments. And, you know, I think if you just dwell on things and you're like, oh, my childhood wasn't what it I wanted it to be. Or right. if you don't become your own human being, which you've become, I've, I'm still trying. <laughs> I think that you you just like, you know, it's, it's – I think it's a cop-out to blame – to keep blaming. At, at, at some point in your yeah. life, I have to just go. Well, it's you that's carrying that shit around. Yeah, it's right? me. So <laughs> what am I doing that for? Why am I wasting my life? And I just listened to this meditation this morning, and it was like the most profound little app, and it's 10 minutes because my attention span is like a fruit fly. And I and I press play, and he just says this one thing. This will be simple to most people, but to me, it sounded more complex. But he said, try to enjoy life. Hang on, there's more stop trying to just get through it. Mm. And it profoundly spoke to me. And it just, I don't know what it was, but it was like, I feel like every day, how do I just get through this day? How do I just get through life? How do I just get through this? How do I make it through this thing? Instead of just going, hey man, just be here. Stop, stop just trying to get over with you know, like this podcast, I want to be present with you. I want to just like enjoy this moment, and then the next moment's the moment after that.
1: That's why when I heard that you were doing a podcast, it was like a light bulb went off, and I went, of course, that is exactly what Michael should be doing. I was <laughs> so happy to hear that you were doing a podcast because – You and me, like, yeah, we're we're different in a lot of ways. You're much more outgoing than I'm. I'm much more internal. Like, we have different interests. But but you're a goofball. Yeah, I'm a goofball. But we have a lot of similarities in the sense that maybe for different reasons. But I think it's difficult for both you and I sometimes to listen uh, because we're self-centered fuckhead actors i think a lot of people are and, like and yeah. and this forces you this and my, forces my me to listen it forces you to listen and i do one and it forces me to listen yeah and i that's the the surprising thing that i got out of the process that i did not expect
0: that is amazing you're absolutely right and you you know what i'm learning more about humanity mm-hmm. by doing this by talking to you and even talking to rob who says a few words every show we're all damaged we're all human beings that are flawed that are just trying to get through this thing and how do we th- but but having this moment with you or we're just i'm not thinking of like hey i wonder if they responded to my tweet about <laughs> fucking you know mm-hmm. alfred hitchcock's
1: birds mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> you know I, it, it, well,
1: and it's also why you and i are, are probably more comfortable on stage which is that weird um that 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 weird paradox that we experience as, as real people who are really actors and into this for the right reasons is, is that strange place that we can get into in front of thousands and millions of people where we're more comfortable than less comfortable. And that's a weird thing to experience, but it's, it's probably because it forces us into that place of, of, of presence. Why was your mother so good? What was it about her that made you who you are?
0: It sounds like, w- without going too deep, it sounds like your mother was your savior in a way. I'm just, I'm just throwing that out there.
1: My mother uh, and I are, are complete opposites in so many ways. She is really extroverted, uh, raconteur, the most popular person in any community that she's ever lived in. Uh, she's she is not unknown to dance on bars. Uh, she's <laughs> wow. she's uh she's a wild woman and forces me not to be so serious, but, but really the most important thing that she ever did was allow herself to be my best friend, especially after my father passed away. And it's probably one of the reasons I'm an actor is one of the things that we would do together is she would say, Hey, do you want to take a day off of school? Let's just go fuck around. And we'd go to the antique malls. One of the things that she and I did together is we, we, um, we would buy antique furniture and refinish it and resell it. And then the end of the day, we'd always go to the movie plex and we would just buy one ticket and we go in and we just skip from theater to theater and just watch a bunch of movies back to back. And that's a, a love that we have shared for many years is, uh, I always ask her what she's watching on Netflix. I just bought her an Apple TV when we (laughs) were in Florida and set it up for, and I had to train her how to use the thing and quiz her on it. And then I filled her queue with all the movies that she hadn't seen yet that I think she should watch. And, um, She's the toughest motherfucker I've ever met. Does she life. tell you
0: exactly what she thinks when she thinks it? Is she wanna have yes. no filter. Yeah,
1: she has no filter. She's and she's she's deadly honest. What uh, does she, she might? She won't always tell me everything if she thinks it's going to bother me or if I'm busy. I have to drag things out of her sometimes, but she's deadly honest uh, about her opinion of my work, even.
0: There was something obviously maternal, but you know, some mothers, when they lose their spouse can fold in a lot of ways, they could be more distant, but the fact that she was, she felt like, do you think she felt like she had to, like, she really has to
1: step up and sort of like, I have to take over and be his anchor. Yeah. Yeah. And to be there for me to really, you know, when I lost my virginity, at when I was fourteen or fifteen, ooh, she's Rob. Who, how old were you? Mm, 18. yeah, thirty. She's who I told, you know, like you told your mom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My my mom took me to get the condoms, and wow. and uh, my she, mom just assumed I'd never get laid. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much it. She knew that I was, you know, I was an academic in school. I didn't have a ton of friends. I did have a small group of. Of close friends, but there was a weird transition time in around puberty when my father passed away. And, um, I think she knew that there were like lots of holes in my life and, uh, that I needed a friend as well as a mother. I was going to tell you, cause I listened to your interview with, I'm sorry, the ice skater who we met. Tara Lipinski. Tara. We, had, we, met, we in, met at the same time. Puerto Rico. In Mexico. Mexico, in yeah. That crazy... <laughs> that crazy trip to mexico was that man. gary Busey? yes i was going to tell you i ran into him again
0: oh no because right. he's got to be crazier than he was
1: well, well he I, can't, mean... I don't i don't
0: i don't want to say crazy like we're all crazy i'm just saying he had a plate put in his head so he had a car ac- or a motorcycle accident or whatever so you're not he just like obviously he's a different person than he was before the motorcycle accident
1: yeah just, yeah yeah and he and he when we first got to mexico he hated me he did not like me at all.
0: He didn't like me. Do you remember when he was thought, said? He's.
1: I thought I'd heard he was from Tennessee. It turned out he's from Texas and that did not go over well. So I'm from Texas. And they walked away. I was like, Oh God. And then we had that. You were, I don't think you were there the opening night, but the opening night, there was this like contest where you had to walk you could had to walk this like shaky beam over the pool to try and grab this tequila bottle of tequila. And I managed to do it. Right. And then I was like his best friend and, Uh we all hung out. We went out every night and and (laughs) Yeah, at that time when we were at the club and we're standing in the circle with And I was yelling at I was
0: like going, Hey you know and for some you yell in my ear again, I'll kick you I got a steel plate in my head. If you yell at me again, I'm gonna knock you down. Like
1: Gary, nobody nobody yelled in your ear.
0: I was I was at one I
1: was at one (laughs) (laughs) event once and he just goes, All right, come over
0: here, we're gonna have a circle prayer. (laughs) <laughs> I'm like, and Tom Arnold's there. He's like, "No, we're not gonna have a fucking circle the, You crazy fuck! What do you doing?" That's what he said to so, Gary. So what I was fuck's at, wrong with you. So it a,
1: I was at a, I was at a screening at the Cinema Society in New York, and there's Gary Busey sitting on a couch outside the theater, and I was like, "He's never gonna remember me." But all right, I got to I got to I got to try this. I gotta go. So I went over to Gary and I kneeled down next to the couch and I said, "Gary, uh, I, you I, you may not remember me, i but we were on that trip to to Mexico together." And he went, "I've never been to Mexico." It's like, um, <laughs> and I was suddenly I was at a loss because like Gary Busey doesn't remember he was in Mexico. Okay, so I, I was I, I what? Well, but I was no, never in Mexico. No, no but you, but you you were Nope, nope, never Mexico. And we were hanging out and like me and. You know Michael Rosenbaum and Jonathan Silverman. And he went. Jonathan Silverman. Wait a second. I have been to Mexico.
0: <laughs> you remember Jonathan Silverman? I love that Jonathan Silverman was. He his, was the trigger the, point. The trigger. You know Jonathan Silverman. <laughs> mm-hmm. You don't know him. He was in Weekend at Bernie's. Single guy, great good guy, friend of mine,
1: great guy, really good. You should have him on the show, man. He's got, oh, some yeah, Silverman will well, definitely do because his, I think,
0: he may have moved to Vancouver. Wait, he, he, his, he, he was like a regular at the Playboy Mansion. Now he married uh, our friend Jen, lovely the kid, great. I gotta call yeah, him, yeah. but speaking of the Playboy Mansion, your dad was an editor of Playboy, he was.
1: He was. So, yeah. did
0: he go to pl- the Playboy Mansion a lot?
1: No, because you gotta understand. So, when my father st- first started working for Playboy. Okay, this is this is a good story. So my father, he was in the VA hospital during all of Korea with tuberculosis, and he had been in World War II, but he was in he was in the VA hospital. They're cutting out pieces of his lung during Korea, and all he had to do was play banjo, paint, and fuck around. Right. So he read about this short story writing contest, and the winner was going to be published in the first issue of this brand new magazine called Playboy. And so he wrote uh, a short story and submitted it, and he won. And he got published in the first issue of Playboy. And they, they wow. called him up and said, um, you can't enter any more of our contests because you've already won one. But when you get out of the hospital, we'd like to offer you a job. So on a lark, nobody knew who what Playboy was or was going to be. On a lark, he got out of the VA hospital in Florida, and he moved up to Chicago and he actually had to drive a cab to supplement his income because they weren't making any money. There was just a half a floor of office cubicles in Chicago. And because my father had gone to an Episcopal school, they made him the religion editor because half was very smart. He saw, he knew that that magazine was going to cause a controversy and rather than invite a boycott, he wanted to invite a conversation. Very smart. So my father was in charge of inviting the clergy to write articles. And for a while, and I still have some of these they would publish an, a version of Playboy without the pictures for the clergy. And the, the, this started this the Playboy Forum was was wow. where anybody who wanted to submit a, an idea on religion or morality or modern ethics could. And this is obviously part of what helped to lead up to the sexual revolution. And around that time, around 68, I think, wow. uh, the conversation had kind of petered out and half had the idea for the pigskin preview, uh, he's like, we're men's magazines. We don't, we don't have any articles about sports. We need one who knows who, who here knows anything about sports and nobody raised their hand. My father said, "Why? Well, you know, I, I watch the games on Saturdays sometimes. And he said, that's it. We're killing religion. You're taking college football. Go. What? And my father freaked out. Cause he's, he's never been a sports writer. He didn't, he was a biology major, but he had to learn fast. So yeah, what he did was, well, this is very smart of me. He contacted every sports athletic director at every major program in the country. And he said, if you'll fill out this questionnaire, I'll get you a subscription. So he ended up, he knew who was going to make grades, who was in trouble, who was, who was getting in trouble, who was uh, getting injured. And he ended up being the best football prognosticator in the business. Wow. Yeah. So was
0: your dad making pretty good money,
1: or not really? I mean, okay, okay. We it's were upper like, middle class by Tennessee. Right. You know, we moved down to Tennessee when I when I was like three years old. I mean, did you did and... you
0: always want to be an actor? To, how did that happen?
1: Um, God, that's a good question.
0: I mean, was did it really go? Was it, it had to was be it? high
1: school? Oh yeah. So when I got to high school, I was miserable in junior high. the The first junior I had gone to, I was horribly picked on. And then I went to the larger junior high in our county, like picked on, beat up yeah, on. Yeah, I was being... a very late bloomer. You know, I was the kid with braces and glasses who got shoved in the trash cans at lunch. Ugh. And I went to, and I, I transferred high schools, and it took me a while to realize um, I was not I was not making very good grades, and, I, and it took me a while to realize it was because I was bored. Because I realized all the best teachers, like I was in advanced mathematics, but I was not in advanced anything else, and I realized all the best teachers were teaching the advanced classes. So when we at this time when you went from junior high to high school, and there was only one high school in the entire county, there was no system in place to look at your what you had taken beforehand. So you could take whatever you wanted. So I just arbitrarily signed up for every advanced placement course. And my grades improved. And the people in these, it was a much smaller group of students in these courses, and that became my group of friends. And they were all doing theater. And so I wanted to hang out with them more. So I auditioned for a play they were doing 12 angry men mm. and i was cast as the guard perfect <laughs> and even though i had this like th- tiny little throwaway role i remember the first time i walked on the stage for a performance like it was yesterday the feeling you got i mean the energy it, it was like it was that lightning bolt moment they talk about when they talk about love at first sight it was like being struck by a lightning. Bolt. Like you belong. There. Yeah. I mean, it was that clear. Wow. And so I had a talk with my, my wrestling coaches and I was like, look, I want to do this rehearsal sometimes conflict. And I was lucky enough to have football, uh, wrestling coaches who told me if this is what you want to do, you need to make that your priority. So I was That's able to crazy. do both. And I joined the the speech and debate team and I did dramatic interpretation. I went to nationals my senior year. Jesus. I applied to my father's alma mater, Suwanee, which had a very small but very good theater department cuz Tennessee Williams had left his entire state to the theater department. So they sent me to New York to study on financial aid for a short time, which gave me which made me realize I know nothing and if I want to actually do this, I need to learn how to act. So I applied to graduate school and I got in. And I feel like, you know, when you talk about that, it's like if you, everybody has like this one teacher. I guarantee if I looked
0: at Rob, there's one teacher or a couple teachers. You had the most success in a class because you liked the teacher. You were interested. You just enjoyed being there, right, Rob? Yeah. I'm yeah, guessing. An art, and I'm an ge- art teacher. Like an that. art teacher. You just felt like, I like this. That was me, Mr. Morrow. Mr. Morrow came in as a substitute teacher because someone so was just in high school, in right? high school. And it was like, all of a sudden, a C and D student was getting a B in history mm-hmm. because he was interested. And now the theater teacher, she was just kind of like fun and laid back and we could do stupid things and read a couple plays. And I was like, oh, this is kind of interesting. Yeah, this is fun. And the yeah. more you'd have fun doing any fucking thing, yeah. the better you are. And yeah. that's that's
1: life. I think it was Randy and Glenda Sullivan. Uh, Randy and Glenda, married couple. Randy ran the the theater classes in the theater department, and Glenda was actually a Latin teacher, but she coached speech and debate after hours. All of the best influence that I got, all the best encouragement I got, and the best early training I got was not during class hours. It was during the hours these this couple was staying after school putting in the extra work because they loved their students and they saw potential and they encouraged us to do this. Um, and lucky, lucky enough, I had a mother who told me to do it. she was. She, she followed her passion as a professional golfer for a long time. And she told me to follow mine. Are you a good golfer? No, but I also was not a good actor and I didn't, thank God I didn't realize it at the time. I, you know, Oof. I go back and I look at they, they, you know, some of my stuff I did in high school was on tape, and oh my, god. that bad. <laughs> well, let me tell you something. If I was bad, this is the reality. I
0: did grease in high school. I was kind of forced to do a play, or they wouldn't let me take another drama class. And drama was so easy that I took finally auditioned and I got this part, and I was petrified. What happened was at the end of the play, everybody comes out one by one and they clap. You know, they applaud the. Yeah, and I didn't have a huge part. It. it was Vince Fontaine, the DJ, and I remember I walked out. And all of a sudden this thunderous applause, like I was one of the lead roles hmm. and it changed me. I felt like, oh my God, I belong. This is me. I Not being me is the best. And I've talked about this, but kids going, dude, you're really funny. If I didn't get that response yeah. on that first play and that first part, I was out. Yeah, I was out and I was going to like, I can't do this. This is too scary. I was so scared. I still remember all my lines from that play. 30 years ago because i was so scared and i still have that mentality of like i gotta know him i gotta know the lines i gotta know i gotta i put so much fucking pressure on myself that
1: same thing happened to me man i remember doing a a presentation of part of one of our plays my senior year i remember it was david ford the guy my nemesis in grade school the guy that would constantly like sucker me into fights and uh and he was bigger than me and he was huge in high school he was he was huge. He was a lineman, and he came up to me and he goes like, "You're really funny, man. You're really good." It changed your whole life. And I
0: was like, <laughs> you, shit like that changes." So maybe your I'm
1: life. maybe I'm just still doing this to impress David Ford. I have no idea. I mean, look, you've worked with De Niro. You've worked
0: with Anthony Hopkins, and I, I, I definitely want to hear more stories about like De Niro and shit. But like, like Star Trek. This is uh, yeah. this is like in a way what I went through with Smallville, where it was like. Uh, you know, Gene Hackman played, you know, Lex Luthor, you're going to fail. <laughs> you know, you don't have to. like there was so much. I mean, there is pressure, but I didn't know anything about comic books and I didn't know really anything. Other. I, I follow. I, look, you look up here, right here, yeah. all Fangoria magazines and horror right. books, books on horror. And that's what I love. And so I think it was my naivete or my ignorance of just not knowing or aware of how serious this was where I was like, hey. I'll do this. I wasn't trying to emulate someone where I just go, okay, I'm going to just read the lines. I'm going to say the lines. I'm going to be real. I'm going to be grounded. I'm going to do this, and I'm nervous as shit, but whatever. Yeah. Because really, Captain Pike is, I don't know if you know this, Rob, but Captain Pike is before Captain Kirk. They shot a pilot for the original Star Trek, right? And tell me if I'm wrong. Yeah. but right. Jeffrey Hunter. This is the actor. Right. And then they recast william shatner to play captain kirk not captain pike but captain pike was now a disfigured character in like a. well two they part. ended
1: up using footage from the pilot from the pilot for a like flashback episode right and called the menagerie and so yeah so it this thanks troy rudolph for really educating me on this whole thing pike is of all of the really revered star trek characters he's the probably the one that we knew the least about but I, when I auditioned – you know, I had auditioned for the, the captain from the first season, Lorca, and they'd hired uh, Jason Isaacs, and it was the right Jason decision. Jason, I worked He's with. A, I'm a, I actually was a fan of his. And so when they came back to the for – they came to me for this uh, role. I didn't know what I was auditioning for. I, 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 it was called Captain Parker in the sides because they were keeping everything undercover. Right. So when I found – when I got cast and I found out it was Pike, I was like, oh, wow, I guess it better be good. For – somehow – Oh, after doing this for so many years, I've kind of learned what is going to help me and what's not going to help me. What's not going to help you? Uh, being intimidated or being starstruck or be, feeling pressure or, or wondering, worrying about what other wondering people what think. they're going to think. Yeah. It just doesn't serve me. So just knowing that, I guess, kind of lets a lot of the nerves go.
0: But you say that now, I believe you first and foremost but isn't there some of that you're saying it? But there is a little bit of that just lingering in the back of your head, deep there. You're like, I'm saying well, this, and I'm going to be confident, <laughs> and I'm going to meditate, and I'm confident, and fuck this. But I kind of can't. Well, you know,
1: you do. Care. You mentioned De Niro before, you know, and like if you go, you look at that movie, City by the Sea. I will readily admit it's some of my worst work ever in that movie because I was so intimidated by being on screen with De Niro that I was afraid of moving a muscle that, that he didn't approve of, not that he was Uh. dictating anything, but I was just scared shitless to do anything because I was afraid it would be wrong. And then when I saw that and I was disappointed in my work, Uh, I was like, okay, I can't let that interfere. I have to make decisions. I have to make clear choices. I have to have a clear point of view. I have to decide what the role is for me. It's not doing you any good. Exactly. And neither is being starstruck.
0: Did he ever say anything like, oh, this is, you're great, Hanson.
1: He's a, he, he's a really, no, he's not like that. I mean, I'm sure he, he would. Uh, He's, he's quite, when he's, at least when he's working, he's quite, He's not a unapproachable, but he's um, he does his thing. Internal. He's more internal than I am. Nice guy. Really, really lovely. He doesn't guy. know his when I did need to talk to him about something. He was completely there. Really, uh, he I even you... brought. I even did the freshman thing of bringing DVDs for him to sign. You know, and he brought me into his trailer and like and.
0: In the beginning,
1: and he was like, you know, ooh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah.
0: daring because I wait always wait to the very last day because like, I could just see him going, asking me, f-, you know, that's walking, but like asking me for autographs and like you know, mm. that could be like I remember I told you the story of uh, what's the guy who's the Punisher, the guy from Walking Dead, great yeah, actor. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. This guy went into De Niro's trailer at the end and goes, hey, I just goes, I just want to say that, uh, you're a legend to me you're like and i really i just want to say thank you and de niro's excuse you don't have to do this right now don't do this don't do this (laughs) he's like no no you don't understand you have to let me say this i want to get it out and he's like (laughs) it's okay though you don't have to (laughs) and he kept going and i go well then it was great right and he goes he's like no it was the most uncomfortable (laughs) i wish i'd never had done that why did i do that the moment was just like because they're like, hey, you're here. You've made it. I've done this before. I yeah. went up to Sandra Bullock and John Kusack. They were with, I was talking to somebody, and they came up to me at the Laker game. And Sandra Bullock goes, oh, my God, you're so funny. And I'm like, oh, did you see a movie I was in? He goes, like, no, I saw you in Cribs. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yeah. And then Kusek came by. And all of a sudden, I'm starstruck. I got Sandra Bullock. It's like 2000, early 2000s. Sandra Bullock. And Kusak next to me and I'd work with Kusak, I'd go, Hey, we did a movie together and I just you could feel that I was a fan. Mm. And I just can tell that they kind of were like, Okay.
1: <laughs> and they kind of started
0: talking and like excluded me in a in a nice way, like we're And I walked away going, I don't belong. And that's part of my problem. I've always felt like I don't belong. Even though I feel like I'm good, uh. I feel like I still feel like I don't that's why ninety five percent of my friends aren't actors. Mm. They're like Rob. Who's a regular guy or my friend, Tom, or my well, it's friend, such a, I just, I'm intimidated. I, I don't know. I can't
1: live out here because it's just such a popularity contest happening in the background of things. I feel like it's high school. Yeah. And, and so my relationship with Los Angeles is so much better now that I don't live here. I come in, get my meetings scheduled back to back. I see the friends I want to see like yourself. I play around a round of golf and then I go home. See, I'm thinking about that. I don't want to live in my office. Yeah. It's the other thing. And things that used to bug me about LA, tell me, I now find charm. Like last night, I was I'm I'm at the I was at the Beverly Wilshire, right? And I'm at the bar, and I've got like my drink in front of me. I got my papers spread out, and there's this piano player that's singing "Strangers in the Night," and he starts doing lounge scat. You know what I'm talking about? i'm not exaggerating okay, right doobie, 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 doobie. <laughs> and you loved it yeah and then i'm thinking you know like a few years ago if i still lived here i would be like motherfucker and now i'm kind of like this is awesome this is exactly what los angeles should be Maybe I should move. and the guy sitting next to me in the sequin jacket is exactly the jacket he should be wearing you know because it's it's there is a wonderful kind of cool history about this town that I really dig. And I, I had lunch at the polo lounge. And now you're seeing it from the outside. Right. Yeah. And I was, at, I got to, I got, went and had lunch at the polo lounge with the, these guys. And, and, and it's just like, you're, you know, you're walking into history and it's the same restaurant it's been since the Burt Reynolds. I mean, since George Burns was there next to, you know, his, his posse and, and, and the pictures uh, it's, it's just a, it's it can be a, a really nice place, uh, but you got to know where to look also. Yeah, and Zach, you know Zach
0: Levi, my buddy. He's he's uh, name
1: drop, but lives
0: in Austin. Yeah, and he says it just changes your whole perspective wow. and changes your life. I think maybe I eventually should probably move. There's a lot of lot of actors in Austin.
1: Do you, do you think I should move? Rob? There's no, there's no. Yeah, <laughs> you do. Here. Yeah, get out of here there's no income tax in texas which is why a lot of them have i should be there. a song there's no income tax in texas
0: yep. It kind of flows yeah though. um so what are you, are you you're
1: obviously going to say yes but you're proud of star trek discovery oh hell yeah you loved it was it hard well, i mean i came to it as a fan I, I you know the original series was in uh syndication on my local ehf channel when i was like eight and they would run them Every Sunday night, six o'clock, and they ran it for several years. So I've seen every episode. What's your favorite episode? Well, my favorite episode of the original is probably the—I forget the name of the episode—but it's the battle with the Gorn. Kirk has to figure out how to make gunpowder and yeah. shoot the Gorn with the with the bamboo.
0: I like the one where Spock goes on that like they on this planet where they, the flower or
1: something makes him just all. Happy and lost in love. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but go ahead. But my favorite episode of Star Trek in general has got to be from the Next Generation. I think it's called the Inner Light, but it's the one where they find this space probe floating in the middle of the universe, and and uh, a beam comes through the ship and it knocks him unconscious, and he wakes up and he's a different person on a different on a planet with a family and a whole history. And then he sort of gets lost in this problem that they have with the environment and trying to fix it. And he goes through this whole life and he becomes an old man and he's got grandchildren. And then he, they send off the the probes to find, uh, to, to let people know that they were once there. And then he dies and he wakes up on the bridge and it's been five minutes. Unconscious. Did you cry? And and That's then he, 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 almost they capture the probe in the enterprise and they open it and there's a flute inside and he had learned to play flute in his dream oh, and he picks up wow. the flute and he starts playing the Rob flute. is so bored now because he doesn't know one fucking thing about are you Star serious Trek. I didn't watch Star Trek now well,
0: you're young you're 29 I'm 30 yeah but uh dude it's a it's a huge thing do you so ever, I'm, a tr- I'm a true fan do you you are do you true ever find fan. yourself in there like action Do you ever go look i have do you ever jump into a kirk you have to every once in a while God, no, I, no wanted...
1: I, I kind of stole his, a little bit of his swagger his way that he sits in the captain's chair really yeah and i had dinner with shatner a month or two ago and uh we just talked about horses he's a horse guy that's that's all he's in you know my favorite movie of
0: his watch kingdom of the spiders Small town where the spiders, the tarantulas, just
1: invade. Mm. Oh, that's one of my favorites. Don't know. I used to watch it at the Camacho house all the time. When I I'm, was trying them, I'm trying to get him. I'm trying to get him on my podcast. Yeah, I just want to. I, I don't want to talk to him about acting or Star Trek. I just want to talk about horses. I think that really. So yeah, yeah. Well, that's what my podcast does. We, yeah, we don't want something. Our guest is not our guest on our show. Our yeah. guest is how our guest thinks creatively, or what is it that they go to that's their that's their source for creative energy or how do they force themselves to think outside the box? That's all we want to know about. Uh, cause I, I, just get tired of, I don't know. I don't want to hear interviews with the same questions or, you know, and it can be a little bit, it can be a little bit difficult interviewing celebrities. Cause I think that we get used to just assuming that we're interesting
0: Well, you know, for me, is it's not that uh, you know. I always talk about like actors and stuff. It's like you know, for that moment when I just saw saw you and I was interrogating you, but I saw this vulnerability in you and Mm. this way you looked at me Mm. in the beginning of our conversation when we talked about your dad a little bit. And there's like there's certain trigger points where I feel like you get to really know someone and what they went through. And like I saw your eyes light up when you talked about your mom and the things you would do together. And to me. That's what this is about. This mm-hmm. is about like, Hey, how do you find happiness when you face such adversity? When you are growing up, we all face adversity, some less than others, but how do we get through it? Your mom helped you get through it. Yeah. You're, she's proud of you. She loves you. She's hard on you because she loves you. And you know, it's like you find that special person that, you know, we all hope that we had that one person that helps us get through it. And there's always a couple. If you don't have a couple of fans, whether it's in the uh, casting director who believes in you because no other fucking casting director does, and Mm -hmm. I have that, or my grandfather who was like a father figure who now has Alzheimer's and it's like the worst thing in the world to see. Oh, man. Because, yes, this could just be a regular, like, you know... It yeah, could my, be all about Star Trek and Hell on Wheels, and I, you know, we touch on that stuff. But like, I want to know, is like, does Anson Mount get nervous before every take? Are you confident? So confident now that you don't get nerves anymore?
1: Speaking of what you just said, you know, my stepfather is going through that right now, and we we just uh, had to place him in a memory care, memory care facility, and that was uh, that's been an interesting process. Uh, it's it's so hard. It's Incredibly. So hard it's not like death it's a it's a it's a, it's almost more difficult and harder it's a slow death yeah and and it's scary because there but for the grace of god go we um it could be our future
0: yeah well you know i always say that it's that my grandmother had alzheimers my grandfather now has alzheimers her son you know my yeah, dad yeah it's in my family
1: too my dad yeah. and my
0: brother and i are all like oh shit what's going to happen and so we're like eating more blueberries and eating more ginkgo but we're
1: like just fucking mediterranean diet my friend that's what they say. I I got my, I did my genetic testing. I found out I have one of the two markers for early onset Alzheimer's. Really? It doesn't mean I'm going to get it, but I'm, it means I'm somewhat more likely to get it. So the one thing that all the doctors can agree on is shift to a Mediterranean diet. Really? So now I do. if I do red meat, it's once a month. So chicken, rice, beans, black fish, beans, fish. Rob, do r- you hear this? Wine is fine. All do this? Olive oil.
0: Yeah. Can we do this together, the, Rob? Gre- the Greek sure. diet. Is, Greek diet. Yeah. How do you deal with anxiety? How do you deal with pressure on yourself? How do you deal with, um, a balance in your life with your, your now wife who, you know, is the light of your life. How do you balance your work, your life and not let anxiety consume you? Do you get anxiety? Do you, do you do anything about it? Do you take any pills? Are you just kind of a natural guy? Do you, you don't need sleeping pills? I mean, cause that's like the story of Hollywood, right? Right.
1: Um, I don't know, man. I, I, I know that I'm I'm best when I'm busy. I learned some time ago that for the sake of my own sanity and this crazy up and down business that we have and the job insecurity that we have, that the one thing I need consistently in my life is that I need to be creating all the time. If I'm not creating, and it doesn't need to be acting. If I'm not creatively doing something every day something's wrong so hence the podcast hence my writing hence the show the show trying to sell my own stuff you know just just i it i i do know that 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 i need to feel productive marriage is a very new thing we just got married a little no less than a year ago you know, she's very busy too. Cause she decided to go back to university. She's finishing up s- this semester, but the balance thing is going to be a, a question mark that we're going to have to tackle together. Because as you know, this thing, this job puts us in success, puts us on the road quite a bit. Yeah. And thank God I have a wife who's patient with that and is supportive of that and is, um, She she gets she gets the um, she knows what she sacrifices as well right absolutely and she's a very strong self sufficient independent woman Uh, so it's uh, it's been it's been a really good work life balance with her so far you know kids I'm sure will change that somewhat. Um, but that we got a few years to go before we get there. We're going to try to get all the traveling out of the way first. I, I look at you and I still think, I mean, you're a pretty
0: sensitive person. Do you, do you cry a lot? Uh, I say oh, that cause I, I, I just cried at this movie, the writer, R I D. Oh
1: yeah. Did yeah, you see that? Uh, no, I haven't. Oh my no, God. So yeah. I think it's the
0: best movie of the year and no one knows about it.
1: Yeah. I might, my, my, I think my wife will say that I, I cry quite, I'm a, I'm a, uh, i am i am ai can be quite an emotional, uh, person. I think more so than I used to. I think I had a big blocks against that. I was always intimidated when I had to be emotional in a scene because I didn't know how to do. And finally, I just said, to, you know, "Whatever, I'm just going to listen to the person in front of me and see what happens." Um, but yeah, I can be. I can be a big softy. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, You're I like- I just lost a dog We we lost Oof, our, our dog don't even go there. Yeah, and that was the hardest thing I've ever done, <sighs> had to do in my life. That's your child, man. It was really hard for us and kids. Dara's Canadian but she's in the United States and under we're we're in the middle of her green card application, so she couldn't come to where I was in Canada. So you were alone during to this to be there. It was harder for her I think because she had to, you know, we we had to go in and have it done and she had to watch on facetime oh my god that was very hard oh yeah i can't even imagine my dog herb is getting
0: quite old and it's like i see him slowing down and Mm. you know you try to be sensitive at times sometimes he's now barking incessantly and i'm like where did this come from stop and you get annoyed and you're like dude he's he's aging you just gotta well look man this
1: has been incredible uh where can we find you on twitter at anson mounts and my podcast is the well pod it's at the well pod right the well pod but you can find it on what itunes stitcher every, any any place you download podcasts we're all over the place yeah check it out
0: guys check it out anson's a fantastic guy instagram same thing yep uh on
1: instagram we're the well podcast but i'm at anson mount and where do we find star trek discovery that is cbs all access
0: pretty fantastic i'm gonna check it out you guys should definitely check that out Anson Mount thank you for allowing me to be inside of you this has been a real treat man I learned more about you I've known you for 20 years and I learned more about you today than I think I ever have
1: it's good good to see it's been too long it is buddy much love to you